We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. Unscripted, the film show. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Thank you for joining us. Welcome to another episode of Unscripted, the film show here. I'm Cecilia, joined in the studio by Lewis. Hello, Lewis. Hello. Hello. We've got a big show tonight, which is fantastic. We're going to be covering off some uh, fringe shows uh, this evening, which is uh, all the rage at the moment here in Perth. Lots to choose from. Um, and Lewis, you've seen a, a few of those and you're going to give us your, your rundown, which is fantastic. Uh, I've seen the new Kate Blanchett film Tar, which is releasing today, so I'm going to give that a bit of a review also. And uh, there's some films you've seen too, Lewis. Uh, I've seen, I've seen The Whale. Oh, I've also seen The Whale. Did you see The Whale as well? I have. I didn't see that. Um, You're hiding. No, I went to ah. the very, very, very advanced screening um, on a, on a Friday, uh, which um, I, I wanted to check actually the embargo because I know it's releasing next week um, on the second of. January, uh, February, sorry. So I don't know if we're actually allowed to talk about this one or not. Can we, can we talk about well? Oh, okay. I, I have to double check because I know there was an embargo on it because it's releasing next week. So, um, but maybe we can check that out in one of the, the breaks we, and have a look. I um, thought the embargo wasn't, uh, it was after. Uh, last Sunday. It may be. Yeah. It might be because I seen an, an incredible. I seen a, a screening back in December, so there would have been an embargo on it then. But um, yeah, whether we could, should we cover that this week or next week? Do you think? Um, I I'll, suppose we could delve into it this week and 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 next week because the Oscar nominations also have been released uh, today. So we'll probably have a bit of a chit chat about those. And I think some of the films Tar and The Whale kind of align mm. with those nominations. Mm. So it's probably worth actually talking about those films. We can we can talk about um, a bit maybe review them fully next week. Yeah, because um, I saw the whale and also I caught up on some films. I saw the menu which you reviewed Ooh, last year. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that one. And I was uh, yeah, I was that was because re- when you when you d- described it and when you told me what the end of the film was, I was like, I have to watch this film now. It's out <laughs> on Disney Plus. So I, I was, love how a film like that is on Disney Plus. I know that just strikes <laughs> me as unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, so I've got the uh, the menu to talk about. Also, I saw Minion Rise of Gru as well. Uh, that, I think, is on Netflix. And Amsterdam, which is also on Disney Plus as well. Cool. So I, yeah, I've, seen, I've seen a very few things this, this week. Huge um, selection. The uh, I've seen some because as you said, fringes in full, uh, uh, full fledged, uh, you know, fringing now. Um, and uh, I've seen a few shows so far. I've got quite a few more shows to see mm-hmm. before the end of Fringe. Um, 
But I thought I'd highlight a, a few of them. Um, there was when I saw it, it was called uh, West Coast Comedy, but now it's actually changed its name to Beer Garden Comedy, um, and it's uh, a, a show that is uh, in Northbridge uh, in a beer garden, no less. Um, and it's a uh, just an hour long show, but they they like rattle through like five comedians and an MC in an hour. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those good ones because you know, every day you're going to be seeing different comedians, and if you don't, you know, some of them are really really good. And if you don't particularly like the comedy of one person, they're going to be gone in ten minutes anyway. So <laughs> you, <laughs> if you don't like them, I'm sure you'll like the next person that comes up. So it's. Um, it's quite a good uh, show to uh, to like start your night as well because they're all like six thirty shows and it looks like it's playing uh, pretty much every day a fringe. So um, if you just go there, you just want to have a start, uh, you know, start start of a ten uh, on uh, in um, beer garden comedy. I'd recommend uh, going and checking that one out. Uh, actually, what is the price to, to uh, go and see that? Um, it is uh, 20 bucks. So, yeah, so it's 20 bucks. Uh, so it's, you know, you roll the dice and it's, uh, it, I'm sure it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. Now, one, one show I can definitely say is uh, very, very good um, is Anna Piper Scott, Such an Inspiration. Uh, and the that has also got quite a few shows still left to go. Um so uh, Anna Piper Scott uh, is a, a trans woman uh, and she's been doing comedy for a, a very long time uh, and this uh, particular story um, is it's really uh, just every because I've seen Anna Piper Scott a lot yeah and Every time I see her, she just goes from strength to strength. Her comedy, her storytelling, her the way she can you know uh, bring you up and then you know, pull you down, and then you know it, it's this uh, show is a real roller coaster of emotions. But uh, Anna's there from the very start of the show, uh, like even before you know she she starts, uh, she's there welcoming you in, in and. She's got great recall of names. Like she asks people their names in the audience and then refers to them by name during the show. Wow. And I have no idea how she does that because, like, <laughs> I meet a lot of people. And it's like, hi, and you meet them and then two seconds Completely later, Completely no forget idea. their name. <laughs> no idea. Uh, and it's great. And then, um, you know, it, it, this, the show does go to some dark places but, um, you know, in the end she's there and she's handing out, uh, you know, little um, aftercare, uh, you know, things uh, like she's written out. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really good. And yeah, So she she's um, trans. Some of the shows about, you know, being trans. So I, I think, you know, you know it, it, a lot of people can you know, identify, you know, with where she's coming from, whether they are, a, you know, a trans person, non-binary person uh, or, or, you know, a gay Lesbian, sorry, she appeals to all audiences, is what mm. I'm saying. So, uh, Anna Piper's got such inspiration. Um, that's playing at the Parlour and the Perth Cultural Centre. So, um, yeah, really nice, one of those little you know pop up venues. So, go check that one out. Uh, also, uh, Joe White, Ethiopian and Still Hungry 2023. Um, Joe is an exceptional, exceptional comedian. Uh, like his uh, crowd work uh, is really good. Uh, like he's got a show and he's telling a story, but he will be he will engage the audience. And it's just every night is going to kind of be a different kind of uh, thing because you know different audiences, different reactions. Uh, but he's a, a sensational comedian, and I've seen uh, Joe before. But again, this guy uh, just goes from strength to strength and is uh, a one-off comedian that everyone should uh, get out there and see. Um, his shows are running till uh, Sunday the 
the 5th of February. Uh, there are still tickets available for uh, all of his shows and it will cost... Uh, sorry, it'll cost you... Um, yeah, sorry... The uh, thirty bucks to go and see him, and I think you'll get uh, your thirty bucks value uh, out of the hour you spend with Joe. So um, definitely give that one a crack. The the last one I'm going to talk about is um, uh, the the Joy uh, Dick Club. Um, this one is no longer. Uh, there was only one one. Uh, performance of uh this last night and the comedian uh sam is actually a uh, chinese comedian so uh english is his second language and he's only been doing stand-up comedy for like three years and then uh, so he's put together uh, like this this fringe show that uh, is 50 minutes long and (laughs) it it was at the veil in um belia and it was just like um, the amount of confidence to do that because he's not a, a Perth comedian. He is, he's a comedian from Alice Springs. And Alice Springs, I'm, I'm sure there aren't a bunch of comedy clubs where you can ply your craft. <laughs> so the, the fact that he uh, he came down to, to Perth, he put on this this show, uh, it, was, it was really good. And I hope... Um, I hope that he actually comes to to Perth and you know, does some of the rooms down here because there, there is a real... Um, uh, like a, uh, there's a, a fraternity of comedians here. So, like, people will help you and give you advice. And, you know, uh, I think in this kind of environment, comedians do develop. Uh, and, and he's just got such an interesting... Because he's not only, uh, you know, uh, Chinese living in Alice Springs. He's also gay as well, so yeah. he's got a lot to draw on. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately, you can't see him uh, this year, but uh, I'm sure that in future fringes he will be back. Excellent. I was just trying to find his name, but I was trying, it's really difficult to find the uh, the deal. There's I so much on the Fringe website um, because it's just such an eclectic array of shows. Trying to pinpoint the exact one that you're looking for can always be a little bit difficult. Um, yes. So, yeah, I always find that with Fringe. It's, it's kind of a little overwhelming, which is fantastic. We've got you, Lewis, to kind of give us a rundown <laughs> of maybe what to go and see because um, I've, I've seen some shockers in the past and um, last year I didn't have a great Fringe experience. I just seen some really um, not so – not for me shows – I think. Uh, so this year I'm being a little bit more selective and definitely listening to the opinions of others before I um, dig deep and, and, and purchase tickets for certain things. So, Well, if you want if you want guaranteed good comedy, then Anna Piper's got such inspiration and Joe White, Ethiopian and Still uh, still Not Hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't go wrong with those, those two acts. Uh, as in the big art and comedy, it's 20 bucks, it's six comedians. It's, you know, if you don't like one of them, There'll be another one up in a second. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I reckon just go go out there and see some stuff because there is so much good stuff out there. Um, if you go if you go and have a look, uh, like just Google Fringe World 2023, and there'll be different reviews of different things, and you know something will pop out to you. That you like? Do you like you know guys who are shirtless doing acrobatics? I do, <laughs> and I'm super stoked to be going to see a show tomorrow tomorrow night uh, with some of my girlfriends called uh, Gods G O D Z, uh, which is uh, a group of sexy acrobats. Uh, I love 
sexy men and I love acrobats. So <laughs> nice. they're combining two of my favourite things. So I'm looking forward to that. No, I do admire the talent of, of some of these people who, who do these fringe shows. It's not easy getting up and, and you know, being mm. in a vulnerable mm. state. And I think it's amazing to go and see some things. And, um, you know, I do lie. Last year I did see some um, really nice comedy acts um, and some real heartfelt. I find nowadays comedy, um, a lot of people are actually sharing their real personal mm. experiences. And I think that's such a, a an amazing thing to do and to, to you know do it in a comedic way can be you know really it, you've got to have the talent and knack to do that so I really do admire the people who who get up and I think you know people work all year round to mm. get prepped for fringe and I think it's such a marvelous thing uh, to have here in Perth um, you know so many different venues shows and um, you know yeah it's great so you'll be obviously seeing a few more shows Lewis and Six. keeping us up to date yep seeing a few more and it's uh for for me like uh because i've seen a lot of comedy over the years mm. and uh you know, a lot of comedians will be doing like 10 minute sets here and there and like it frustrates me when i go and see a fringe show and i only see them like stringing together their 10 minute and half hour sets and it's kind of like no no i want to see you take me on a story i want a beginning i want a middle and i want an end <laughs> um so yeah it's uh and there are a lot of comedians who are doing a decent fringe show which is nice to see Perfect. Uh, any others you want to cover off on, or are you going to keep bringing them back? I'm going to pepper them, pepper them through the, uh, the, the the weeks. I think. Love it. Yeah. Well, we might take a, a quick break, and we'll be back after this. Now, as a film show, it would be completely bonkers if we didn't cover off on the Oscar nominations. Yes. Uh, not that we always, <laughs> you know believe in the Oscars, but, you know, it is a huge film event. The 95th Academy Awards uh, will take place uh, on March 12th, uh, honouring some of the movies released in 2022. Uh, but I'm actually quite interested in, in this year because there's been some great films, great performances over the course of uh, 2022. And I think previous years, there's always a bit of a hit and miss, particularly when we had those years of, of COVID, kind of the, the film industry was a little bit uh, different. So yeah, th this year it, it, it's it's great. So um, we're going to run through some of the bigger category nominations uh, for this year and then we're going to speak about two of the films that uh, have have got nominations uh, Tar and The Whale so where shall we kick off? Well I think we'll start off with the, the big one Best Picture uh, now the, the first film that's been nominated there is All Quiet on the Western Front mm -hmm. now forgive me if I'm wrong but is that not an, a, an old film? No this is a new war film that um, was released on Netflix. So this didn't get a cinema release um, at all. I have seen this film. It's it's not one that I would particularly have picked, but upon reflection, I, I do see why it would have. It's quite a nuanced look at war and a particular soldier's experience through war. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those ones that kind of lingers with you long after uh, and that experience of there's some really quite um, shocking uh, scenes of, you know, what, what you would expect war to be like. So I, I can see why this would have um, been nominated and also I think it was nominated for a cinematography as well. So, I think, yeah. I think actually it was a film in 1930. Ah, oh, so maybe it's the name 
Yeah, because it's based it's based on a book, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, oh. and the nine thirty film was an adaption of the book. And then the 2022 films and adaption of the book, which I yeah. reckon they should have held out another eight years because yeah. you could have done a, you could have done an adaptation a hundred years apart. That would have been really cool. But mm. you know, no, you're absolutely right. I think yeah, it definitely is. So um, and it is a German a German film, I believe. Right. Okay. Um, as well because it was subtitled. And I, I did watch this. It was, it was a, a an interesting film, quite long. Uh, but yeah, uh, World War World War One. So yeah, there you go. Uh, with it, we've also got like Avatar: The Way of Water that had to get nominated for Best Picture. Surely, like, after all the work James Cameron <laughs> put in, it had to be nominated. Uh, this I'm really surprised by: The Banshees of Inisherin. Ooh, interesting, isn't it? Because you and I had differing opinions mm. on this film. You and I left the cinema thinking the same thing, not really enjoying this film, and I think that you stuck to your kind of thoughts about this i let it digest with me a little bit and i thought it actually captured the 1920s quite well um but at the same time it is a really macabre Mm -hmm. story and does it need to be it's a good film but is it best picture worthy no no and just stupid (laughs) like the 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 um the motivation of uh brendan gleason's character to do what he does it's just like I'm still going. This is so stupid. <laughs> this is like you know, really just oh, it was so annoying. Yeah. But that's uh, that was just my my um, you know feelings on it. Uh, other people, uh, my mate. Oh, actually, before we go on, I should have mentioned at the top of the show. Last week, Rachel and I were like you know reviewing stuff we'd seen on streaming and mm. uh, something, and we went on and we just talked about a TV show that we saw that we both really really loved. And never actually mentioned what that show was. <laughs> um, so if you have been listening since last week and you haven't listened to the podcast and you haven't gone onto our Facebook page, uh, the show we were referring to was co- is called Irreverent and it is on Netflix and it is awesome and I recommend you go and check it out. And I apologise for getting so excited about that film that I didn't mention what so the, that TV show that didn't mention what the TV show was. So, uh, and it was uh, Nick uh, Roberts, my mate from the After Dark Podcast Network, who pointed that out to me uh, on Friday morning, uh, and, uh, and I really appreciate. It. And if you do, uh, you know, if you listen to the show, you do like movie reviews. Um, Nick does a show called Walking Movies and uh, it's the premise of the show is that he, whenever he goes to see a movie, he walks to the movie mm-hmm. and talks about the movie he's going to see and as soon as he's seen it, he walks home and then reviews the film. So it's a really fresh way of mm. getting somebody's thoughts directly after they leave the cinema. So if you do like um, to listen to movie reviews, do uh, go to Walking Movies uh, on your podcast app and subscribe to it and then you know, listen to the movies that Nick did. And he actually did a... A, uh, a review of every film he saw uh, in 2022 and it was really interesting to go back and I think he had 50 plus movies that he saw so very very interesting uh, but anyway thank you very much Nick appreciate the uh, the help <laughs> and uh, hopefully uh, some more people listen to walking movies um, so the next film is Elvis uh, pretty film uh, it's got uh, you know uh, Academy Award darling uh, Tom Hanks in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I think it it's a great film and, yeah, I, I think it deserves its spot there. Uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, if this wins the, the Best Picture Oscar, I'm, I'm all in. Uh, I love this film. I thought it was great. I uh, can't wait to watch it again. I think it is on Netflix. Yes, yeah, great film. Hmm. A lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, a film that I've seen half of and you've seen all of, <laughs> uh, The Fablemans. Uh, it's the uh, Steven Spielberg uh, semi-autobiographical uh, movie um, about his life and it looked great. I can't wait to, to finish it. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I enjoyed this film. I, I went in a little bit sceptical thinking, you know, is this going to be, you know, um, Steven Spielberg being a little bit, you know, egotistical, but no, far from it and a, a really touching film. Um, I hate using that word. It feels pretentious, but um, no, I think, again, it's a deserving nominee. Mm. Mm. Uh, Tar is the next one on the list, and I haven't seen this, but you uh, took last week off to see this one. I did, so I'll be speaking about this Mm -hmm. um, shortly. So, um, yeah, interesting film. I, I mean... I'll talk. I won't. I'll talk more about it later. Let let. I'll leave it at that. I'll does it, it have? That. Does that have the similar kind of feel to Whiplash? Like that that real pushing yourself to be the best. It, it does, and I think you know, for me, Kate Blanchett's performance is probably definitely deserving of a nomination. Mm. The film. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's still one that I'm really digesting. Um, I, I'm keen to talk about it. Um, but yeah, it, it does have that kind of whiplash um, mm. feel to it. It's not as, for me, whiplash, I would say, is one of my favourite films of the past decade. I certainly wouldn't put Tar in that category. Uh, but, um, yeah, maybe, yeah. But I, I think it's definitely deserving of, of its nominations. Mm. Mm. And saying that I can't, that it'd be wrong if it wasn't in this, uh, this list. I think so, uh, yeah. But uh, another film that would be wrong if it's not in this list is Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Uh, that was, like, just a real... You know, real uh, throwback film that was awesome and just really, really, really enjoyable. Nostalgic, and we've yeah. just been waiting a long time. Yeah. And it finally hit cinemas. Was it great? No, but was it nostalgic? Yes. Yeah. And was it fun? Yes. And was it the big, biggest box office? No, Avatar actually Avatar edged it out to be biggest. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ah, there you go. There you go. Uh, but the, um, yeah, I, I thought it was great and I'm looking forward to the sequel in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, he's just going to go, I feel the need, the need <laughs> for speed. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Triangle of Sadness. Is, next, is this next? I haven't actually seen this one. Yeah, Keen to see it though. Yeah, it's on a boat. Got Woody Harrelson in it. Yeah, it I'm really good. keen to see this film. Uh, Women Talking, uh, we haven't seen this one yet. It's uh, not coming out till February here in Australia, but um, it does have... Francis McDormand in, so that is uh, always a good thing. Uh, moving on to Best Director, uh, Martin McDowell from the Banshees of in- uh, for the Banshees of Inisherin, uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schneider, uh, Schneider, sorry, Schneider, uh, who are known as the Daniels, the Daniels. Uh, for everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. Uh, best lead actor. Oh, and for that one, like with that that list of best picture, who based on the films you've seen would you like to win? Oh, that's a good question. Um, based on the ones that I have seen, I I've got to go with Elvis. Yeah, I've got to go with Elvis. It's it's between Elvis and Tar at this point, but um, and they're completely different mm. films. So, yeah, what about you? What are you thinking? Well, I'm going to go uh, Avatar The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick mm-hmm. um, just for bringing people back to the cinema. Yeah. Uh, but I think 
I'd really like everything everywhere all at once to win because that was such a unique and different kind of film and different and unique take on on yeah. multiverses. Mm. Um, so best director, so uh, the uh, Martin for Banshee of Inisherin, Daniels the Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, or Ruben uh, Osland for uh, Triangle of Sadness. Who would you pick there? I haven't seen Triangle of Sadness. I have a feeling I would lean towards that based on what I know of the mm-hmm. film, but. Based on what I've seen, I've probably got to go with Todd for Tar. Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to go with the Daniels for everything, everywhere, all mm-hmm. at once. So I think it was a hell of an accomplishment. Uh, best lead actor, Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin Farrell, the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Brendan Fraser, the Whale. Now, interesting that the Whale didn't get a Best Picture nomination. Yeah. That's an interesting thing because when I think of the film, and we'll talk more about this soon because we've both seen this film, um... I kind of agree with that. I think I like his performance mm. rather than the. F- oh, it's it's a tough it's a tough film to talk about. I think the ending for me spoiled the film a little bit. Oh, interesting. Um, but I think for me, Brendan Fraser is definitely deserving of this nomination based on. And I know he didn't gain all that weight, and mm. part of it is you know fat suit, but. To come back after all these years to a particularly hard role, mm, mm. Um, I think that's phenomenal. So I think, yeah, seeing him on this list is is great. Uh, and it it is interesting. I think the reason is is because the it is the whale is based on a stage play. Yeah, and it very much feels like a filmed play. It does. Um, yeah. There, there's one setting. Yeah. Dialogue yeah. heavy. Yeah. Mm. And there's there's a thing they do where there's a, a window uh, that's in the in the, the background, and then every now and again you'll see like a shadow walk past the window, mm. and it's a great stage play thing. And mm. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. But uh, yeah, I can understand. Like, there's nothing there going over the top that would make this the the best picture. So I can understand why it wasn't nominated. But his performance, like. Uh, you know, Austin Butler was great as Elvis. I was really surprised because I thought in the trailer, when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is going to be crap. Uh, but it was actually quite good. Uh, Colin Farrell, he was good, you know, for his role in Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, Paul Mescal for After Sun, I haven't seen yet. Bill Nye for Living, I haven't seen yet, but I am yeah. going to see both of those. And both of these are, I think, February releases yeah. here in yeah. Australia. Yeah. But so far, I, I'm putting all my money behind Brendan Fraser because that was yeah. a hard role. Yeah. And... You know, to carry the the whole film pretty much was was pretty damn impressive. So I really hope he wins. Um, best lead actress: Kate Blanchett for Tar, uh, Anna de Amars uh, Amars for Blonde, uh, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fableman, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, it's it's definitely Kate Blanchett for me. Yeah, Ooh. definitely, like okay. hands down. And I've actually seen all these films. Oh, apologies. Apart from Two Leslie, I've not seen Two Leslie, mm-hmm. um, but I've seen all these films. Um, and yeah, for, so far. And you know, I'm a huge Michelle Williams fan, but um, yeah, definitely Kate Blanchett for me in this, um, in this one. Well, I'm going to go with Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, because she played more than one part in the film. True. So. Mm-hmm. And she did them all perfectly. So, um, yeah, hopefully she gets that one. Uh, best Supporting Actor, uh, Brendan Gleeson from The Banshees of Inner Sheeran, uh, Brian Tyreen uh, Henry for uh, Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Koenig for The Banshees of Inner Sheeran, 
and uh, Ki Hu Kwan for everything, everywhere, all at once. Would you say that Brendan Gleeson was a supporting actor or a, you know, he was like the I think it's actor. a push. I think it's a push for supporting because I would have put him, I mean, obviously Colin Farrell is the main um, character in that, but Brendan Gleeson is pretty up the top. Like yeah. They're both kind of even. So I, I would have said co, co-leads, but anyway, that's just me. Yeah, yeah, because like even here, Barry Kean, um, I thought his performance was brilliant and he's, he was a supporting um, role. Yes, um, he, he was very good. And it's interesting mm-hmm. though, does this kind of split the uh, the vote? If you're if you're like, I love the Banshee of Inishiran and now you've got two actors to choose from, are they less likely to win because of that? Well, that's that's the thing, and I, yeah, I don't like it. I would have not put um, Brendan Gleeson in that category and just put Brendan Kia because I feel like he now um, doesn't stand a chance. Yes, which I think yeah. is horrible because he's done some you know wonderful um, roles over the years. He's so. a very interesting actor, um, and you know he played a real kind of. Villi- the village idiot type mm. character in this film, and I think he pulled it off really well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the last one we'll talk about, because there is like best adapted screenplay and there's a lot of other categories, but I think most people are more interested in the, the best picture and, ones, the, yeah. and the actual actors. Uh, best supporting actress. Now, Angela Bassett has got to win this. Oh, yeah. Her performance in Black Panther Wakanda Forever was amazing. It was powerful. It was touching. It was just your eyes were glued to the the screen every time she was on screen. Like, she has got to win this. Um, uh, Hong Chu uh, in The Whale also. She was great in that film as well, Mm -hmm. not taking anything away from her. Uh, Kelly Condon from The Banshee of Inishirin. And this, again, is going to be like, uh, why did they do this? It's going to be a split vote kind of thing. Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And Stephanie Hughes, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. So, again, both actresses, it's going to, they're less likely to win because their vote's going to be split. Um, So, yeah, but there's a lot of, I, I mean... There's a lot more films in this year's Oscars that I think the broader uh, audiences would have seen. Yeah, and surprisingly, not as many nominations for Babylon as I expected there to be. Because Babylon is terrible. Well, I've not seen it. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's a long film, um, which is probably why I it's, avoided it. But I know you did see it, so um, yeah, it is unfortunately. Yeah, it is long and it you see that trailer and it promises so much mm. and delivers so little. Uh, you know, and I kind of got that too. I was like, yeah, there's nothing here. There's mm. nothing here. What yeah. is this? Nothing. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, that, that well, was my opinion. There, as I, said, I think <laughs> I, I said last it. week, there is a good film in that that is like an hour and a half to two hours long. Yeah. But it is stretched out to three hours and nine minutes. Mm. So that's where your, your, your fault lies. Absolutely. Well, we might take another break and pop back and we'll talk about, we'll probably dig into, I think, Tar and the Whale um, just to, to kind of go with those nominations yep. and then we'll um, talk a little bit about the, the other films that you've seen uh, later on. So we'll be back in a sec. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. I should have mentioned at the top of the show, Rachel is not joining us tonight, as you probably uh, know, because you've not heard her except for that lovely uh, sweeper there. I think so. she did the intro as well for the show. She did. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there you go. Um, now, let's talk about, we're going to kick off with The Whale. It's officially out next week, but obviously being nominated for a few Oscars there, I think it's only um, fair that we talk about it. This week, um, and we've both had the opportunity to see this film uh, as well. So, um, yeah, I'm keen to hear what you thought about this one um, as well. So, 
Well, the um, did you want me to do a, the, the synopsis of the film? Sure, and then I can do Tar if you like. Yeah, yeah. up to you. Oh, I don't mind. No, no, that's cool. We can do that. Uh, so the whale is like a very uh, like. It's it's a very singular story, as you said. You know, a single set. It's the whole film is in this one house, and the the, the person who lives in that house is Charlie, and Charlie is a uh, obese man who, uh, because of tragedy in his life, has just decided to fall into his addiction, and his addiction is food. And he's structured his life so that he can be a uh, online teacher um, and just you know stay at home and just order food in. And he has got very little, um, you know, he doesn't care about himself at all. Um, and he is basically eating himself to death. Um, that is to say, even though it's in the house you know he lives there by himself that's not to say there aren't other people in the film other people do visit uh hong chow uh plays liz who is uh his his nurse uh and also uh is you know connected to him uh as well via um another you know tragic event that's kind of led to his you know desire to just let eat himself to death and 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 uh, not not live his life um you also meet uh, sadie sink who plays ellie and that's uh his daughter uh ty simpkins who plays thomas who is a you know door-to-door uh re- religious dude yes <laughs> um who's intent on saving Charlie, uh, Samantha Morton, who plays Mary, who is his ex-wife, and uh, Sethia uh, Sirahan, who plays Dan the Delivery Man. Uh, so it's um, this, this film is amazing. Like he, uh, Brendan Fraser, has won a lot of awards for this film. He's had, you know, standing ovations at the Cannes Film Festival. And and there's a reason for it is his performance is amazing. Now, he did gain a lot of weight uh, to play the role, but the size that he's playing is is massive and you cannot accomplish this without him also being in a prosthetic fat suit. Yeah. Um, and it just – but it seems so realistic. Like he does seem like a, a real person who is going through this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is – it's kind of traumatic to watch. Um, you know, when uh, you see him eating and things like that, it's just – you know, it, it's kind of sickening. Um, but it's just an amazing film and it, it's one of those films that you, you've got to see but you've probably only got to see it the, just the once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're not talking uplifting film by any stretch of the imagination here, kids. Um, you're going to go into this, and you're going to you're going to need something to be a palate cleanser. Pardon the pun. Afterwards, mm. um, there were scenes of film. Did you ever watch Monty Python's The Meaning of Life? Yes. You remember the scene where the uh, the large man goes into the restaurant and just like eats copious amounts of food? Yeah. Um, there were bits that reminded me. I, I don't th- don't know if they did it on purpose or if it was just kind of you know coincidental. Mm. But there was really a scene where I was just going, "Oh my god, this is like the meaning of life." Yeah. Um, but oh my god, everyone in this film brought their A game. Yeah. Like seriously, it was compelling to watch, and it's like it's weird to say that about a. a, a film that's just shot in one house yeah you know Mm. and you know there's that kind of story of his daughter trying to or him trying to reconnect with his daughter and 
I think there's such a bigger story here too about, you know, binge eating mm, and mm. The, the complexity and the, the mental kind of um, mentality behind that because there's some real – and I don't like to use the word sickening scenes because I don't want people to think that I'm um, taking a stab or a dig at people who eat a lot of food because I'm not. But there are some real um, – complex scenes of him you know eating or binge eating essentially and then you know being sick Mm. afterwards you know for for eating too much and you know for him eating his is his way of coping and to have control of his life because he's had some real past trauma that we kind of learn about throughout the film and you know we kind of get his story and it's a sad story Mm. it's a very bleak film it's incredibly bleak even just from the glimpse of the outside you know it's always raining um i think he lives just is it maybe in seattle or I think so. Some, Some, yeah. Somewhere kind of where you get that kind mm. of harsh winter and, you know, he's stuck inside this dull, dark house. And, you know, even though you can't, you can only see this, you kind of get a sense from maybe the smell of it because, you know, it, it kind of evokes those mm, feelings mm. in you. And it's not a messy house by any means, but it, it looks cold and it looks dark. And, you know, he kind of just sits on this one couch and he struggles to even navigate around the house. Um, that, that's the thing is like, you know, if people are, are big but they're healthy, mm. then that's fine. But this guy is big and he's like literally eating himself to death. Yeah. And to get up, he needs to get up onto a walker. And mm. we're not talking to a guy who's in his like, you know, 80s or 90s. This guy is in his like, you know, 40s, you know, yeah. maybe pushing 50. Uh, he should be a healthy person. But mm. through his actions, he has made himself morbidly obese. Mm. And it's just, it's really you know, sad to see because you know there are people out there who are doing this to themselves and you wish they could find that help to, you know, you know when you're this size, it doesn't take much to, you know, actually start to lose weight, just doing something physical. And that's, you sit there just go, come on, just go for a walk, just do yeah. something, just get better. You're just, you're really, you're really fighting for him, you're rooting for him to, to yeah. improve, but... But, but it's also so mental mm. too because yeah, eating yeah. is that way of, you know, for him to, to kind of feel better because he's, you know, and, you know, it's sad because he's this online tutor and, yeah, even from the beginning he doesn't show himself on camera. Mm. Um, so he's clearly, you know, upset with himself about this. But, yeah, I just thought, you know, yeah, it's quite a dialogue-heavy film. It is a stage play, um, which I didn't actually know originally until I did some research after and I thought, oh, yep, that makes sense. But, um, you know, and it's not your typical kind of Darren Aaron. Because I, I kind of always, his films are a little bit more ambiguous mm. and obscure, generally speaking, like if you look back at Mother, for example. Mm, mm. But this this wasn't his kind of traditional film. It was, I mean, apart from the ending, um, but even that's not his own. That's, you know, based from the source material mm. alone. So I think for me, yeah, Brendan Fraser, um, incredible performance. Um, I think all the acting in this, even his ex-wife's character, mm. Mm. Um, phenomenal performance for the short time that she's on on screen sharing her. You know, she clearly had a love for this part. Yeah, it's just um, a really phenomenal film and I'm keen to hear um, when it releases next week um, how audience react to this film. I just wonder how they... How they did it on stage, yeah. Like because you know, 
it's one thing to be able to to do this mm-hmm. in a in a movie where you can have your your scenes and then you can cut and then you know you come back the next day and and that sort of thing. But to do this on stage and whether it was like a you know two hour performance with a fifty minute intermission or mm-hmm. whether it went straight through for ninety minutes, I mean obviously they'd have to be using some sort of fat suit or something like that uh, to to you know show the the, the character. But yeah, I, I'd be really interested to see the stage play version of it. Mm, so would I. Um, are we going to score this this week or next week? What do you think? Oh, I, I reckon we could score it this week. Yeah. We might, as, we might as well. I mean, as I said, this is the kind of film you've got to see, but you'll probably only want to ever see it the once. Mm-hmm. But Brendan Fraser's acting is so amazing in this film. It's got to be it's something you've got to see and just go, okay, now I understand what acting is now. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't win the Oscar for Best Actor, I think there's something just wrong with the Academy. <laughs> it, it was just, yeah, it, it, there's something amazing. And um, Sadie Sink, who plays Ellie, is phenomenal. Yeah. Like absolutely just the the roller coaster of emotions that uh, she elicits in this film is just amazing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I am going to um, give this five highlighted Bibles. Oh, good one. I'm going to score this five birds. Five birds. Five birds. Nice. Um, clearly a great film, both uh, fives for us uh, in this film. Um, I'm going to touch on Tar um, and then we'll take a break and go into some of the other films you've seen. But um, Tar, again, is another Oscar-nominated film. Um, with Kate Blanchett, of course, has been nominated as Best Actress. Um, and this is a real psychological drama. It's uh, written and directed by Todd Field, who uh, did the film Little Children, which is a film that Rachel and I often reference um, as being a great film starring uh, Patrick um, Wilson and, and uh, Kate Winslet as well. But um, Kate Blanchett stars as Lydia Tarr. She's this kind of widely considered and, you know, renowned composer, conductors, uh, and she's really great and accustomed to, to getting her own way and her, her ego is quite big. Uh, however, things take a little bit of a turn in her life when uh, a series of PR disasters kind of draw her into the spotlight. She's, um, for the wrong reason, some allegations are made against her and I won't go into the plot details too much because I think that people want to go and experience the film for themselves and, and, and see that. But essentially the film is kind of about that Me Too movement slash cancel mm. culture movement. Um, you know, some, yeah, some allegations um, from multiple people come out and, you know, social media has a bit of a play in, in how those come out too. So, you know, it does um, take, yeah, there's some pr- impressive performances uh, as well. You've got Mark Strong uh, in here. You've got Portrait of a Lady on Firestar, uh, Nomi Milant, uh, and also uh, German film and television actor Nina Hoss. But it, it's a dense film. It's quite long. And I think for a lot of people, it's quite difficult to, mm. to sit through. There's some really long, strung out scenes of just conversation. And uh, But for me, what kept me you know, engaged was this captivating performance by Kate Blanchett who just plays this person that you kind of hate. <laughs> She's not a good person. Mm-hmm. You don't like her. But to be able to play that character um, 
and be the, the, the lead performer uh, as a character that you follow who you just don't really like. And you kind of don't mind if things go sour for her because she's like, you deserve this. You're a bad person. <laughs> uh, but I just think for me, Kate Blanchett's performance is just outstanding. And I, I seen somewhere that she won uh, an award. I think it might have been a Golden Globe and she felt like she didn't deserve it or there were people out there that deserved it more than her, you know, younger, younger actors and mm, things. Mm. But I thought, no, you've done a great job. You really do deserve this. So, um, I won't go into too much plot detail. You might need a little bit of time to sit with this and let it digest. Uh, it is that, yeah, there's a psychological component to it as well as she... You, she kind of starts to realise that maybe she she should be better off, like a better person. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'll keep it at that. But um, I'm going to score this uh, four and a half. One uh, of those things that conductors use, like a conductor stick. Yeah, we'll go conductor stick. Four and a half conductor sticks. A baton, maybe, I don't know. That's <laughs> it. Well, we are going to take uh, another break and we'll be back uh, just after this. Did you know that Fremantle has its very own art house cinema? You'll find Luna on Essex, midway along Essex Street in the heart of Fremantle, screening an incredible variety of niche, foreign language and quality mainstream films in comfortable and intimate surrounds. It feels more like your own home movie theatre rather than a cinema. Catch up with friends for a pre-show drink in the fully licensed Alfresco area or enjoy a glass of wine and a cheese platter during the movie. Check out what's on along with details of forthcoming films, festivals and added value events at lunapalace.com.au. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Oh, we're nearing the end of the show. No, we still have a few moments left because, Lewis, you've seen a few films um, that uh, I'm I'm eager to hear about. Um, Obviously, The Menu is Mm. one that I've seen. I'm Keen to hear your thoughts, but you've also seen uh, Amsterdam and the new Minions film. So, um, yeah, tell us about those. So, the the menu you spoke about last week, so last year, mm. and it was intriguing because it's the, the story of these people, these very rich people, uh, who go to this private island uh, to get a, a degustation meal from yes. a uh, <laughs> from the, the world's most famous chef. Like this, this guy is just like uh, Jamie Oliver and Gordon Ramsay uh, and uh, other chefs all rolled into one. Uh, you know, he's just the, the, the pinnacle. Now, in the last probably decade, like the, the whole foodie culture has got really, um, you know, insane. And I mean, admittedly, you know, my wife Kat and I have gone and, you know, done a few, uh, you know, meals uh, which are kind of reminiscent of the, the, the meal they have in the, the menu. Um, but some people just talk such you know, they just you know pontificate about mm-hmm. uh, about food and and just make it more than than what it is. And and this film, I think, is a bit taking the mick out of you know those those kind of people. Um, but they go to this island, and uh, the the meal the meal starts as a, a normal kind of meal, but then as it goes on, it gets more and more sinister. And you find that there's uh, you know more motivating uh, the, the the chef played by uh, Ray Fiennes um, then. Uh, meets the eye um 
But the cast in this is, you know, a, a, a sensational cast. Uh, so you've got uh, Rafe Fiennes is playing the chef, uh, Slowick. Uh, then two of the guests uh, is uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt playing Margot and Tyler. And Tyler is this foodie that is just obsessed uh, with, with wanting to uh, taste Chef Slowick's uh, work and is, like, scrutinising everything and is, like, just really uh, you're upset if he thinks that the, the chef... Jeff is not, you know, uh, liking him. He's a bit of a fanboy, isn't yeah, he? He's yeah, he's a massive fanboy. Anna Taylor-Joy, interesting that, you know, you, you get the feeling she shouldn't be there from the very beginning and you get the feeling that, you know, maybe she's not like uh, the date might be a bit uh, more financial kind of for her than an actual date, um, but I'll leave that to you to figure out. Uh, Hong Choi, uh, who is also um, uh, the second time we've mentioned her tonight, uh, she plays Elsa, who is like the maitre d', and she's just sinister from the start. Oh, <laughs> like, yes. Really. Um, then you've got other uh, people, um, Lillian, who's a, fil- a food writer, Ted, who's her agent, John Legazamo, who's a movie star, um, uh, Amy Chura, who's who's uh, the movie star's personal assistant, uh, Reed Burney and Judith Light, who play this couple that arrive that maybe Reed uh, kind of knows Anna Taylor-Joy's character, maybe doesn't. You'll have to go to find out. Um, you've got a bunch of young... Um, a bunch of young uh, financial dudes, dude bros, dude bros. Uh, who, who are there as well, played by Rob Yang, Arturo Castro and Mark, Senior, uh, Mark St. Cry. Um, and just then you've got the cast of the, 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 the chefs and stuff like that. It's, it's an engaging movie and it is kind of it's, – it's a horror film – but the horror elements are too horrible. So if you don't like horror, you can probably still get into this. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, amazing film, fantastic ending. Do watch the menu <laughs> on Disney Plus now. Um, Minions, The Rise of Gru. If you liked, you know, uh, Despicable Me 1, Despicable Me 2, the other Minions films, mm. you'll love this. It is so much fun. Just ridiculous uh, fun to see Gru as a young kid who's still played by Steve Carroll. Uh, so it's, it's great. Cool. Um, yeah, absolutely amazing on uh, Netflix. Uh, yeah, Menu was on Disney Plus. It is, Disney yes. Disney Plus, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Menu Rise of Gru is on Netflix. Uh, and then we also saw Amsterdam as well, which is uh, also on, on Disney Plus. And uh, Amsterdam is interesting. Set after World War One, uh, and um, uh, it's after World War One, and it is a whodunit. Oh, kind of do a, like a whodunit. Kind of a whodunit, um, but it's based on a true story where some people who were like real fans of Hitler and Mussolini wanted to um, usurp the uh, the president uh, Roosevelt and put a like dictator into his place. Right. Um, it's it's loosely based on on that. Um, but it stars Christian Bale, Margot Robbie and John David Washington playing Bert, Valerie and Harold. And Bert and Harold uh, both fought in World War One, and they're in a regiment where it was mostly African-Americans and the uh, they were treated badly um, and they weren't allowed to wear American uniforms. They were forced to wear French uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Bert and Harold get uh, injured during the battle and they go to a hospital and Valerie is a nurse there who treats who um, nurses them back to health then 
they decide to go off to Amsterdam to recuperate and they just have a great time in Amsterdam. Uh, Harold and Valerie are starting like a relationship. But Bert decides that he's got to go back to uh, New York to be with his uh, estranged wife, who was the one that suggested he go to war in the first place. Um, <laughs> but he's during that he's like lost an eye and his back's got badly injured, and uh, so he goes back to New York and opens up a practice and uh, focuses on repairing the men injured in World mm-hmm. War One. So prosthetic face pieces and stuff like that is is what he's doing. Um, they get. Uh, uh, they get listed by um, a, a socialite, uh, Beatrice van der Hulvula, to uh, investigate why her dad died, who was a general they knew in the army, and they find that he was actually poisoned, but she is pushed under a bus or a car before they, she could, they can find out more. Oh. And Harold and Bert get accused of killing her and so they go on the run and they've got to clear their name uh and so in in the um uh proceeds of that they meet up with this uh lots of lots of different people in there some amazing actors uh you know you've got as a christian bale margot robbie john david washington uh you've also got anna taylor joy chris rock michael uh, michael shannon mike myers taylor swift timmy timothy oliphant zoe saldana remy uh remy melek robert de niro uh you cannot go wrong with this film. Like, and, and these people aren't playing massive parts. You'll just be like, you know, turn a corner and it's like, oh, my God, Robert De Niro is in yeah. this film now. Oh, my God, it's Anna Tyler Joy. She's in this film now. Oh, man, it's Remy <sighs> Malik. He's in this film now. It's just uh, I, I, I think uh, they just had a good story and mm-hmm. they just went to a lot of people. And, like, if you want to watch a Margot Robbie film, watch this. Don't yeah. watch Babylon. Don't watch Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it is... Really good. So Amsterdam, uh, 100%, I would uh, would check that out. It's two hours and 40 minutes, but it's a good ride. Sounds like a fast-paced kind of fun film. That yes. You, you can kind of enjoy that ride along with it. So mm. it's kind of the length doesn't doesn't matter too much. And but, even, though, um, even though it's like, you know, set in a very depressing time mm. and uh, it's, you know, the, the, the uh, materials are a bit depressing, they still manage to bring a bit of joy into it. Yeah. Um, and watching Christian Bale play this, you know, half Jewish kind of person is is amazing. Like Kat said, oh yeah, it's Margot Robbie because she's using her American accent because she only has the one American accent. <laughs> Whereas Christian Bale is like every time it's just something different. He's yeah. pumping out. He's a real character mm. actor. That guy. Um, always great to watch. Oh well, there's some great suggestions there. Um, that I'm I'm definitely keen to see Amsterdam. So that that's fantastic. Big show tonight. Um, we will of course be back next week talking about more films uh, as we. Go, but yeah, please go to the Gentlemen of Pop Culture uh, site if you want to hear more past episodes of us, Diz Down Under or uh, Tangent City. And uh, we look forward to being in the chairs next week with you guys. Uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.